As women, we're constantly told we should look a certain way. Things like, you're not pretty if you don't wear makeup, but of course you can't wear too much. And we need to be skinny, but with a voluptuous butt. We've really come to reject this onslaught of how others think we should look. I think it's partially us coming together as women and saying enough. And part of it is us realizing that we're amazing the way we are and learning to love our bodies. We've come to learn this about culture around our physical appearance, but what about the culture of how we should feel and act about sex? If we've learned anything from Hollywood, it's that we should be nothing but vixens dripping in sexuality. That is, at least until you've been married a few years, maybe have kids, and then you get to be painted as the frustrated wife who never wants sex. Oh, and your sexuality? That begins and ends with the love interest you eventually ride off into the sunset with. Women are guilted and shamed one minute for being too sexy, and the next for not wanting sex. But it's sex based on a man's terms. What about what the fuck we want? How can we claim our sexuality as a woman first, not as a wife? And how can we bring pleasure into our own personal lives and then bring it more into our marriage? Jana Denton House has worked with hundreds of women and today she's sharing more about what she does. Help women who are married to men want and enjoy sex more. But her approach is different. It's a woman first approach. It's realizing and celebrating the fact that women are sensual beings and we don't need to conform to anyone else's idea of sexuality. I realize this topic may seem a stretch from my usual content, but honestly, I chose this for a reason. Sexual and non-sexual pleasure is a huge part of our lives, yet women often sweep it under the rug, either because they feel they're different than the Hollywood norm or that they should feel guilty. You deserve health in every area of your life, whether it's sexual health or how pleasure, intimacy, sex contribute to your mental and emotional health. So without further ado, let me introduce you to the wonderful Jana Denton House. Welcome to the Unstoppable Moms Health and Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Caroline Breen, and here we bring busy mamas like you seriously effective tips for balancing a healthy lifestyle with real life chaos. The chaos of raising tiny humans while still trying to have those magical moments to yourself, not to mention your partner, your job, your social life, and all the things. If you're looking for the how-to for creating a healthy lifestyle for your family, actionable tips for losing weight in a healthy way, aka no diets and no sketchy pills that just make you run to the bathroom, and finding wellness without the overwhelm, welcome mama, you are in the right place. All right, Jana, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I am so excited to have this conversation and deep dive into this into this today. Can you just start by telling the audience a little bit about yourself and what you do, who you help, and really what brought you to what you're doing now? Okay, so I am a sex coach, desire coach, wanting it more coach. I'm still trying to figure out what to call myself. When I say sex coach, people think, you know, you all are thinking something right now. So (laughs) I'm not that one. And I got into this because it was my own struggle. I got married really young, actually 17. That usually shocks people. I was pregnant. (laughs) I was not in some weird calls. It just was something that happened and I'm really glad it did. But I think it's hard to know what contributed to the struggles we had in our sex life, because I used to think it's because I was young, but now that I've worked with hundreds of other women, 
who have not got married young, I've realized that probably at about 50% of women who are married to men struggle with low desire. And that's what I was challenged with, challenged. It was a personal growth opportunity. That's what it was. And so we eventually saw somebody probably around the five-year mark. I booked a session with a counselor. I was so terrified. It was a man. I don't know why I did that. Within walking distance of our house, we sat in this tiny little room, no windows, and he asked me about masturbation. And I was horrified. But that was the start of this exploration into what was going on with me and how I could fix myself because that's really how I saw it for about 10 years when I was on this journey. And now I realize that there was nothing to fix about me, but everything to fix about the environment that I was in, not only from a cultural perspective, but also just from a relationship perspective. So after trying so many different counselors and therapists and workshops and books, I just decided, you know what, not only am I going to train to become a marriage coach, because I just fell in love with that field in the meantime, but I'm going to figure this out for myself. And so I pulled from many, many different modalities and theories of thought, and I created this structure for myself that really nobody had had the courage to give me. And that's what I teach hundreds of women now. Can you go into a little bit more detail about what the, so I, I've obviously like looked up all this stuff about you. Like as soon as I heard your name, I'm not going to lie, came a, became a little bit infatuated. And I know you have this program called Wanting It More. And first of all, I think the title of that program is automatically really intriguing to women. So can you tell us what is the wanting it more program? Like, is it, is it just like wanting the physical act more or is it tying in the emotional, like the sides of it or what, how is that balanced there? Mm-hmm. Oh, such a great question. And the name, by the way, I did not come up with. I surveyed hundreds of women about low desire. And the thing I kept on hearing over and over again was, I just want to want it. But I don't. And when I tell people that who don't have low desire, they don't get it. They're like, well, if you want it, just have it. <laughs> but if you're in my you know, if you're kind of somebody I could serve, you get it. You understand. And I certainly understood that. I, I myself said that many times. So really, basically, I help women who are married to men want and enjoy sex more. That is the problem that I solve very specifically. Now, if you go into the program, you'll find that it's so much more, of course, because we are sophisticated women and we are also really affected by culture in so many different areas. So, of course, we have to look at this holistically. So, yes, when women come into the Wanting It More program, they do find that they want life more, that they're having more pleasure outside of the bedroom that they're starting to learn how to trust their intuition and create clear boundaries, overcome shame messages, connect more fully with their body, 
learn things about themselves that they should have learned when they were preteens, which unfortunately our families and our society wasn't able to give us and still aren't able to give girls that age. So we create a huge movement almost, like a ripple effect out into the world. So maybe that gave you the answer. Yes, <laughs> yes, definitely. And, and I love what you said about things that we should have learned as preteens, because I think, you know, just with my personal experience in school, we learned about the biology behind sex and, and, you know, basically we learned how babies are made and the science of it, but you don't learn from society. I don't think, you know, maybe probably not something you should learn maybe in school, but you should be open. It should be an open conversation about the different sides of sex and the different sides of pleasure. Can you kind of talk about, you know, bringing up pleasure? What does that mean to you or, or what can it mean to us? That word pleasure, I feel like when we hear it, we automatically just think about sex and we just think about the, the final big wow orgasm moment, but what else can pleasure be to us? What else can that word mean? And, and, and to go, to go a little bit deeper, how can we, I know I'm like, I'm like really deep diving here. How can we bring it into our lives? Oh my goodness. The capacity that we have as women to experience everyday pleasure, I'm not talking about masturbating all day long, is phenomenal. And unfortunately, our culture has really put productivity above pleasure. So if you go and see a friend's pre-COVID days and you were talking about your day, it was what did you get done today? What did you do today? And that's where our worth is seen in society. And I see pleasure as something that is just always around us. There's pleasure potential in every single moment. Like right now, we can do it because it's just through our five senses. So I can feel pleasure on the cushion of my chair or the beautiful face I'm looking at right now. You can't see it, but I'm looking at her face and it's gorgeous <laughs> and it's smiley and radiant. I can look at my desktop, which has got this beautiful curvature of the earth. My desk, which is this beautiful turquoise color. I've shabby chiced it in all the right ways. So we can use our five senses to extract pleasure all the time. And it doesn't take much. It just takes a little bit of intention and focus. One minute out of your morning routine or when you're sitting in the car waiting to pick up the kids, you look up at the sky and delight in the clouds moving ahead. And, and I find if you do this, there's some I mean, huge outpours of benefits. But one of them is that when you're then into, when you're transitioning into the sexual experience, you're not starting at like a negative 120. You're starting at 30 or 40, whatever scale we want to use. You are convinced that your body has pleasure capacity and we don't have that narrow defined idea of sex. So from the moment, maybe we're in the shower preparing for the sexual experience, we feel the hot water on our skin. We take a deep breath of the steam. Maybe we're using a favorite smell of a body wash. Then we feel the cozy, snuggly feeling of the towel. And then we climb into bed in the clean, crisp sheets on our skin. And that's when the sexual experience starts. I mean, it starts, it's 
there's no start and stop. You are a sensual woman. And I'm sorry that society has shamed us for that. Really, we have been. We've told to live in our heads 90% of the time. And so this takes practice. But if you develop it, if you remember to go back to it, then wow, we just become such so much happier. But then of course, my ultimate aim is to solve the problem of wanting and enjoying sex more. I love that. And I watched a, um, like I said, I have been like online stalking you a little bit, but you know, I, I like follow you on Instagram now and I watched your story the other day and I know that you're wanting it more program. Um, I think you just had a group of women come through and you were getting like kind of emotional talking about just like how proud of them you were and like how excited for them that you were. So how can you see in the women that, you know, maybe the ones that you work with, or maybe just like in your own personal experience, how has being more connected to your marriage through sex and pleasure and intimacy impacted your overall health and well-being and not just like your not i don't know if you've had any like physical changes but like just like mental and emotional health as well yeah i am really proud of these women i put their names on sticky notes on my wall and i just kind of gaze at them lovingly the biggest transformation is courage these women have to go against a lot of cultural norms that have impacted them quite severely and, of course, also impacted their husbands. Now, because we do live, I believe, in a patriarchal society where men do have more benefit and more privilege, that severely impacts women's desire. And so they have to create some pretty clear boundaries and have to find some inner courage to do that. So for example, when they come into the program, we go on a three week break from sex because they need to spend time to discover themselves again, to prioritize their pleasure and connect with their body and trust their intuition without the pressure, without the expectation of, is this gonna lead to something? Am I gonna be able to get horny tonight? Although I don't like that word anymore because I looked it up in the dictionary and it's just referring to an erection. And I do not have a male erection. So <laughs> I'm going to use the word amorous. I like that word better. Mm -hmm. So can I get amorous tonight? Will it work? Will my buddy cooperate? And can I get to orgasm? And for some women, they haven't had sex in a long time. So it's not such a difficult conversation. But for some women, they've been forcing themselves to have sex three times a week. And so to, to come up with that courage to say, I am worthy of this. I, this is my body and consent does not end with I do. I can have autonomy over myself. That takes amazing amounts of courage because the fear is abandonment. And we may or may not be working with a willing husband at that stage. So right off the bat, I get them to find their voice to prioritize their pleasure. And almost always around week two or beginning of week three, they tell me, Jana, I can't believe it. I actually want to touch my husband. Actually, like, do we have to wait the three weeks? <laughs> we go right away. And I'm like, just hold on. You have your whole life. But of course, because if we feel safe, then suddenly we can explore and be curious and open and not so afraid and shut down and defensive. So I think that's the biggest transformation. And then also 
it's just amazing things happen when you're in a group of women who are all in the same trajectory, who are all really focused on one goal, which is safety. It's not having mind-blowing orgasms or being able to do kinky things or spicing up your sex life. It's safety and comfort and finding your voice and listening to your intuition. I love that. So you mentioned the word explore, and I just want to kind of not to be like cheesy cliche here, but explore (laughs) what you mean by that word. What can women, if they feel like they want to explore and their pleasure level, how can they do that in a way that is beneficial to both, of course, them as a woman and their bodies, but also, you know, their marriage. You know, I know that you you work with a lot of women who are in love with their husbands, but they just don't want it. So how can they um, use explore in, in their marriage and, and go for that word there? <laughs> That's great. It's a great question because actually I call sex now exploration dates. Oh, interesting. I, I, I call them, yeah, we call them XDs um, in our community. And so my husband and I use that term. We'll say, when should we do our exploration date this week or if we have to reschedule? So heads up, I'm a huge fan of scheduling exploration dates because most women I serve have responsive desire, which means they are responding and their arousal is cultivating in a safe environment. So they aren't going into it with sparks of flying. They are slowly and gradually trusting themselves, following their pleasure and enjoying the experience that way. So an exploration, to start off, you need a structure of safety and So we can create safety in a variety of ways. And my favorite way is to have the woman lead the experience and the husband respond. This is the opposite of what we're we're taught in culture. If you read any romance novel or watch any sex scene on TV, it's the man who comes in with all his sexual, what's the word, prowess? Like prowess or something, yeah. (laughs) Something like this, yeah. You know, he's got this like, this charisma and confidence and he just makes her quiver with delight there's no communication there's no here is my body and i'm gonna show you what works best for me no it's just suddenly he's doing things to her that are so amazing and surprising and amazing you know she needs him around to teach her about her body so i find that women will resist this idea of being the leader. Sometimes they tell me, well, Jenna, I take care of everything else, the bills, the housework, running the kids around. I don't want to take care of anything else. But what I really find is deeper than that is that cultural conditioning of you should not be the leader. If you are, then you're I want to use the word slut. I don't know if I can use that word here, but that is the word that comes up. You are too sexual. So women don't want to flip flop into that area either, because that's not something we should do either. But if you're the leader, if you're leading through your pleasure by connecting with your body and trusting your intuition, following your pleasure, and your husband is simply responding, that creates space and safety to explore and be curious. So just a really simple exercise to start this off 
is to have your husband lay on the bed and just relax. Set him up for the expectation. Know that orgasm is not going to be part of this experience. This is just an opportunity for you to practice these new skills that you've heard about on this great podcast. If he is porn affected, so if porn has been in his brain, he's going to be extra grabby and have a harder time with this. So he's going to need to be a little bit distracted. Set, you know, maybe a podcast in his ears or watching a TV show and be really clear about your boundaries. Please do not touch me. Please do not comment on what I'm doing or my body. And please do not try to engage with this experience. I'm going to use your body for my pleasure. So just start by touching his chest. Now, if you want him close, go ahead. If you want to be close, go ahead. No problem. Just put your hands on his chest and feel the heat and the warmth, maybe his heart beating. Maybe you want to listen to that and see where your hands want to go. This is not to arouse him. This is not to arouse you. This is about pleasure. So maybe your hands want to wander to his neck, or you want to smell his neck, or you want to kiss his cheek, or run your hands through his hair. Maybe you want to work your way down to his big calf muscles that you really enjoy, or his feet. Anywhere that your body and your intuition is taking you, go there. Now set a timer for this because you probably will have pressure in your mind to please him. And so maybe 20 minutes or 10 minutes is a good amount of time, depending on where you're at in your relationship and also your confidence. That's such a great suggestion and a great exercise. You probably, you know, I can understand what you said at the end there about women, you know, you feel the pressure then to, to like, please your husband. But I love the fact that you don't, that you are just taking this experience for yourself. So you mentioned, um, you used a term and I can't remember the term exactly that you said um, about porn and your husband wanting to grab you and touch you and comment and all of that stuff. This, this is like steering the conversation a little bit, but I, you know, it, it popped into my head. How does porn set unrealistic expectations? Because I feel like it's similar to like the, what is something that I deal with a lot with my clients is diet culture and diet culture and saying that you're supposed to look a certain way and eat a certain way and act a certain way, move a certain way in order to obtain X or happiness or value or whatever. So how has porn impacted our sex lives and set up expectations or unrealistic expectations or just like things that are completely, they just don't happen in, in real life, quote unquote. I could do a whole podcast interview on porn. So just a little backstory. It's part of my personal experience because about 15 years into our relationship, I had already trained as a marriage coach. I was working with couples. We had gone to, like I said, lots and lots of different therapists and counselors. I found out that my husband had a pornography addiction and it was probably the scariest time in my marriage because porn is infidelity. It is a lot of hiding and it is engaging in sexual behavior with other people, whether those people know it or not. Furthermore, it is a gateway to lots of other stuff that is scary and not helpful to a sexual relationship between a married couple. So that really launched me into learning a lot more about how porn affects the brain. So I think the 
the concept you just mentioned is the most common one that people think how porn affects couples, expectations. I have actually found that that's the least, the least, I'm looking for a word here, but the, the one that affects it the least. What we're really looking at is attachment issues. There's been a lot more research recently done around addiction and attachment. And what I see is that men who, because I work with men who have been porn affected, not women, because those women typically aren't in my program. They typically aren't frequently masturbating to porn. Let's just say that, but it's an, it's, it's an equal challenge for both genders. So I see men who are porn affected be very anxiously attached. So they they really struggle when their wives are independent of them. When like, for example, my husband would get really upset when I would go out too many nights with my friends. It creates this fog in their brain around, uh, does my wife think I'm important and valued? And does she prioritize me? They really struggle with that. Also, they struggle with erection issues, maintaining an erection, being able to last a little bit longer, also premature ejaculation. So a lot of like physical issues as well. And they really can't stay slow, no matter how much their wives say, please slow down, you know, or I'm liking that, don't change a thing. I've learned to say that, don't change a thing. <laughs> Sometimes when you say I'm liking that, it's like, oh, more of that. Right. Yeah. It's like, don't change a thing, but they can do that. So it took about a, a full year for my husband to be, uh, to be completely clean of the effects of the porn that had been in his brain. And he had been on and off for about 20 years. So about five years before we were married, it started, started young, right? He, uh, he didn't have high speed internet when he was a teen, but he had like lingerie magazines and it just kind of worked its way from there but 73 to 93 percent of men watch pornography and in my experience it's more along the like 90 percent of the couples who come through porn has been in the picture for them at some point in their lives some men are able to quit pretty quick and others it's an ongoing challenge and they need a lot more support around so yeah, did I answer yes, your question? Yes, yes, you did. <laughs> Before you mentioned also that you ex you schedule your explore D's or is that what you call them? Exploration dates or XDs because ED is actually like erectile dysfunction. <laughs> yeah. So we needed a new acronym. <laughs> okay, so you schedule your exploration dates. How has how is scheduling sex? beneficial? Like, do you recommend that we like schedule it, like write it down in our planners? Or, you know, I think, I think something that maybe people might struggle with is like, but isn't it always supposed to be like this great spontaneous one? <laughs> She's like sticking her tongue out. <laughs> this great spontaneous, like magical thing that just happens. I mean, we crash through the door of the hotel room and stuff like that. So can, can we like always the door frame? <laughs> yes. There's literally, I took 10 sex scenes randomly. I just found on YouTube and I dissected them. It's in a little mini course I have, and there's a formula. And one aspect of the formula is crashing through the door. 
Isn't that yes. wild? <laughs> yeah, they're always doing that. I know. So it sets this weird vibe around sex because that sex, first, first off, is performative. It has nothing to do with pleasure. So we're, we're watching these scenes all the time and we're being taught these narrow ways of enjoying sex that are legitimate and we're trying to emulate that when that's just for camera angles and for how can you quickly do a shot and kind of give the vibe that something really good happened and everyone was enjoying themselves and they're splayed on the bed with you know sweat dripping down their like why does sex have to be so strenuous (laughs) (laughs) it's so wild and then you see the bed like slamming up, you know, the bed frame slamming up against the wall. It's like, wow, that's very aggressive. And they're both moaning at the same time. Oh, so we need to have simultaneous orgasms. Even kissing. This is the one that drives me the craziest is that there's always a hand on the neck or the face when you're kissing. I hate things touching my neck. I hate it. Don't touch my face. Don't touch my neck. That's just ew. But and also when you're kissing, there's like you're like eating each other's face, and there's always like the biting of the lip. And ah man, for years I tried to do that and I hated it. All right, that was a bit of a no. I love it because I also like my husband knows he'll like go to touch my face. I'm like, don't touch my face. Don't. I, mm, I yeah, I don't like people touching my face, and I never noticed that before about movies. But now that you bring it up. It's true. They do always have a hand on the neck or the face. Oh my gosh. I was watching a Netflix show. I won't mention it, but it's pretty mellow Netflix show. I was watching it with my 12 or my 11 year old. I've been 11 and 12 year old. And I kid you not in the span of 10 minutes, there were four of these scenes with the hand on the neck. And I actually put it on my Instagram stories because I'm like, this is ridiculous. And my daughter, I mean, they're used to it by now. And I'm like, do you see this? This is not how you're supposed to. You just kiss the way you want to kiss. They're like, yes, mom, I roll. Come on, let's just watch the show. But okay, we're (laughs) excellent. So so scheduling, like how is scheduling beneficial? Yes. Well, I mean... Like I mentioned before, we most of us have responsive desire. Those those are the women that I serve. And so you aren't, if you wait for that tingly feeling in your vulva to happen, first off, it's going to happen a really op- unopportune time when you just watch something a little sexually relevant or you've read something and your body's like, ooh, what's that? It's going to be during the day or late at night or in the morning when your husband isn't there. It's just going to happen. And also there's just so much stuff going on with the world right now. And I mean, all the time going on with your life, but extra now that you're, you're pretty stressed a lot of the time and exhausted. And if you just wait for it to spontaneously happen, it's not going to happen. Or you're going to be feeling obligated and guilted and pressured to do it. And that is not a time that you want to be doing it. You also want to think of a time that works best for your body. And like, I would never have sex at night. I, I kind of go downhill from 3 p.m. on. So we always do it in the morning and a weekend morning because I've got the whole day. 
I can, the kid, my kids are older, but when they were younger, they would just watch TV. We got a lock for the door. I got the nice sunlight streaming in through the windows. It was relaxed. I could just have some breakfast and then gradually transition into our sexual experience. So scheduling allows you to prepare in advance, not to prepare because you're going to have a performance or you're going to be thinking about your husband's pleasure all the time, but just maybe thinking about when's the right time for you. And also, how do you want to ease into the experience? I know for me, I need to eat food. I get low blood sugar. So it's, for me, it's not about shaving my legs or trimming my pubic hair or any of that performative stuff. It's more about me and my body and my system and what I need for a relaxing, pleasurable experience, just like you would do anything else. Like if you had a yoga class, you know, you would think, okay, like I want to be there on time. So I'm not rushing. I want to make sure I've got my mat. Do I, you know, maybe you do want to shave your legs. Like just thinking about things you can prepare in advance. And then I always suggest that leader responder dynamic, setting a timer so it does not end in orgasm or penetration. It doesn't have to end in orgasm or penetration. Of course, if you want that, go for it. But that shouldn't signal the end or you shouldn't feel like, oh, I really want to get this over with. Let's just get on with it, right? It's about your pleasure the whole time. I, you know, I really like how you keep referring to it as like a sexual experience because it's not just like a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am sort of situation here, but it's really enjoying that whole experience as you're saying. And I think you're right by scheduling it and knowing what you need to do in order to prepare for it. You're better able to enjoy that. I have loved talking to you so much today. This has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much. Um, just tell everyone, because I know they're going to want to know, and they can all stalk you like I do, and where they can find you online and where they can connect with you. Sure. Well, I'm Jana Denton House with no hyphen uh, on Instagram and Facebook. I'm more active on Instagram these days. And also, if you want to take this a little further, and have some customized advice, I have a quiz that your audience can take. It's called the four desire fixes. And that's just at janadentonhousecom slash quiz. And you'll take a little tiny quiz. I think it just takes a couple of seconds. Hopefully it helps you feel validated because a lot of, <laughs> a lot of things in there are, are um, statements that a lot of women uh, struggle with. You're not alone and you're not broken. And then on the other end of that quiz, I provide some customized advice depending on your results. And then you get on my email list and then I send you free uh, weekly videos every week. Oh, that's fantastic. And you guys, we're going to link all of that in the show notes. So in order to connect with Jenna and to take that quiz, you can just find them all in the show notes. Um, so super easy. Well, Jenna, thank you so, so much for coming on today. It was an absolute pleasure to talk to you. It was a pleasure to talk to you too.